Good morning, River West Church. It is so great to see you all. My name is Christopher. I'm one of the pastors on staff at River West Church. I have the joy of getting to open up God's Word with you all today as we continue our series in Daniel. Before we even jump into the text, I just want to give a shout out and a thanks to Pastor Mike to Kathleen, to Nicole, Lindsay, Chandra, the entire children's ministry team that has invested countless hours in taking our VBS experience online so that kiddos and their families can be reached with the timeless truth of the gospel in the midst of this quarantine experience. Would you pray that this effort would reach hearts, would lift up Christ and produce fruit over the next few weeks? Today, whether you're tuning in online or you're gathering with others in a home church community across our city, I want to encourage you, go ahead and grab your Bible and open up to Daniel chapter 6. Last week, as many of you noticed, we took our online services outdoors. And as I tuned in, I was reminded that there's literally no place that I'd rather be weathering out this pandemic than the Pacific Northwest in the summertime. Can I get an amen online in the comments section? In fact, uh, I don't know, but last week as, as Colin and Meg were leading us in worship, I, I found that my attention, although I was singing and worshiping, my attention was transfixed on these massive fir trees behind me right here. For those of you that are wondering where in the world are we recording this message today, Brenton and I have not taken over Tryon Creek and we haven't set up shop in the woods. We're actually just in the backyard of the McMurray family's house, which borders this beautiful green space preserve, which if you honestly ask me my opinion, I consider this a major upgrade from awkwardly preaching at a camera in our foyer. So in talking with Adam and Kathy last week, they shared with me something I didn't know, that actually some of the trees in this old growth forest are more than 200 and 50 years old. Now, just allow that to sink in for a moment. That means in this space right behind me, there are trees that have been here since the birth of our nation. They've weathered centuries of wind and rain and brutal storms. And somehow by digging their roots down into the fertile Oregon soil, after years of harsh elements and sunshine, they've grown into these massive living towers that take our breath away. In many ways, as we consider the kind of man, the kind of leader that Daniel was in his day, he reminds me of one of these massive Douglas fir trees a steady, resilient, faithful witness whose roots were dug deep into the faith, which allowed him to weather a lifetime of bitter trials in Babylon. You see, by the time that we catch up with Daniel and we see him in chapter six, he's an old man. 
So contrary to the picture we have of Daniel, sometime flannel graph Daniel or a coloring sheet Daniel that portrays Daniel as a ruddy teenager hanging out in the lion den. The truth is by chapter six, he's an 80 year old man. He's seen the rise and the fall of pagan kings and empires. He's lived and worked and faithfully suffered as a Jewish exile in a strange country. And then in the midst of an arrogant, pagan, relativistic culture that idolized ego and power and violence, through it all, Daniel has faithfully dug his roots down deep and remained faithful. River West Church, one of the primary reasons that I believe that God has called our church in this season to study the book of Daniel is I believe that he is calling us both individually, but also as a church family into greater faithfulness. So today what we're going to see is we're going to see what it looks like to be a faithful witness for Christ in the midst of fragile times. Turn with me, if you will, right now to God's word as we continue and pick up where we left off in chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. No error And no fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish this injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, read the windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign the injunction? 
that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. This is God's word. What we see in this passage, it's such a powerful, poignant portrait of a man who was faithful to the very end. So today, what we're going to see from this passage, we're going to glean three things. We're going to see what faithfulness looks like, where it comes from, and lastly, where it leads us. What faithfulness looks like, where it comes from, and where it leads us. Let's start in this text by paying attention and gleaning a better understanding of what faithfulness looks like. And from Daniel's life, we learn that faithfulness involves three primary things for Daniel. Excellence, integrity, and humility. First, faithfulness through Daniel's life looks like excellence. We read it in verse three, look at verse three. It says, then this Daniel became distinguished. The Hebrew word is Daniel continually distinguished himself above all the other presidents or these high officials and satraps. We'll get more into these guys later. But it tells us the reason that Daniel was set apart was because there was an excellent spirit within him. So the first thing that we know about Daniel is that he possessed this excellent spirit. Spirit. King Darius observed Daniel's exceptional qualities soon after he seized the kingdom from Belshazzar back in chapter 5, last week as we saw. And as a reader, we know that this excellent spirit, this descriptive of Daniel's character is actually the Holy Spirit that God has given him these supernatural abilities to interpret dreams and to prophetically step in to these moments of chaos and to actually pronounce God's word. And as Darius, he takes note of Daniel's life. He's so impressed with Daniel that he's basically willing to hand over the keys to the kingdom and elevate Daniel to the prime minister of the Medo Persian Empire. Now, what's fascinating about Daniel is unlike all other Old Testament prophets in the Bible, Daniel spent his whole career holding down a secular job in Babylon. And so although he had these supernatural gifts and abilities, he also was just faithful and a hard worker and excellent in his job, which earned him promotion and reputation and also, as we'll see, persecution. But this truth, it reminds 
us, you and I, as we read this text, that one of the greatest ways that you and I can be a faithful witness for Christ is through our work. Now, a word, I want to speak to anybody that's actually working right now in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. And I mean any kind of work, rearing children, cooking breakfast and making 10,000 snacks a day, or translating your work over into our new work from home reality. Can we have a candid moment on camera together? COVID has brought many non-ideal work-from-home scenarios for all of us. Please, somebody, give me an amen in the comments bar. This has been hard. It's been trying working from home from the Kaufman family perspective with two young, hyperactive boys and a six-month-old puppy that is terrorizing our house has come with its fair share of meltdown moments. But even on our, in our worst quarantine, work from home, homeschool meltdown moments, they pale in comparison, if we're being honest, to the pressures and trials that Daniel faced in his job. I mean, in a moment, we're going to see that Daniel's work environment is so toxic that his co-workers are having these secret meetings offline behind his back and plotting to kill him. And yet, in every situation Daniel faced, no matter how sordid and messed up and twisted it was, he was determined at every turn to bring his best and be faithful with every opportunity, big and small, that God placed in front of him. So River West Church, friends, even as you meet today in in homes or you connect with others online, I want to encourage you to share ways that you can be faithful by bringing your best, by being excellent to what God has placed in front of you in this season. So first we see faithfulness. It looks like excellence. But also next we see it looks like integrity. Look at verses one and two again in the text. It says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 of these satraps to be brought throughout the kingdom and over them three presidents of these ruling officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Now, just a little bit of backstory and context. The word that's used here, satrap, it refers to a protector of the kingdom. That's literally what that term means. And these satraps were actually set up throughout Darius's kingdom so that everybody would pay their taxes. That's why the text tells us that this, this strategic move by the king was so that he might suffer no loss. But these satraps, And these ruling presidents would also quell disputes and matters and try to keep the peace amongst this pagan empire. And from the text we learn, Daniel is charged with overseeing and managing many of these satraps who ruled in various regions of Medo-Persia. 
Now, much like tax collectors in the New Testament that I think we're a little bit more familiar with, it was common for these satraps, the ruling officials and overseers, to line their own pockets through extortion and corruption, to cheat and to cut corners. But Daniel was not that kind of leader, as we'll see He was a man of uncompromising integrity, so much so that as as the king sees Daniel's life, he elevates him to be his right-hand man. And as Daniel receives this promotion, his coworkers begin seething with envy, and they decide we got to dig up some dirt on Daniel. We got to find some dirt on this guy. If Daniel was alive today, he would have been under investigation. They would rifle through his files. They'd read every email that he sent. They would check through and scour through his website history. They may bug his office so that they could eavesdrop on his conversations. But in the end, what they find is that Daniel is a man who is faithful and above reproach in every area of his life. In fact, look at verse four. It tells us, then the high officials and the satraps, they sought to find ground for complaints against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. And Daniel's life, Over 70 years of public service, there was no bribes. There was no cover-ups. There was no scandals. There was no secret secret bank accounts at at the Bank of Medo-Persia. No illicit affairs. There was no skeletons. Instead, the further that Daniel's enemies dig into his life, the more and more they realize and come to the conclusion that the only way to take Daniel out is to actually make it illegal for him to humbly honor and obey the one true God that he serves. Look at verse five. It says, then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now, this is staggering. When when it's all said and done, the only thing that Daniel's enemies can actually use against him as a weapon is his humility. His humble, steady dependence upon the one true God that we've seen Daniel sink his roots into at every turn throughout this story. So what we see in the text is faithfulness. It looks like excellence. It looks like integrity, but it's grounded in humility. Would you look again at verse 10? It says in verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, this injunction, he went to his house where the windows in his upper chamber were open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to his God as he had done previously. Now, 
In verse 10, it's a small detail, but it's huge. It says that when the document had been signed. So Daniel knows that Darius has just made an injunction in a legal document, making it illegal to pray to anyone but him. And Daniel goes to his home and he gets down on his knees. Now, here's what's remarkable and and convicting about this story is the injunction that Darius signed and put into effect. It wasn't a permanent law. It was actually a 30-day rule. So think about this. I can imagine that it it may have been tempting or, or even easy for Daniel to rationalize to himself and say, you know, what I got going right now in my life, I just got a promotion with King Darius. I got a good thing going and I can go without my usual quiet time for 30 days. I mean, he wants to give me the keys to the kingdom. I have this opportunity and I don't want to blow it or actually get thrown into a lion's pit for being faithful in prayer. But Daniel doesn't rationalize this injunction away. Instead, he determines to remain steady and faithful. But why? Why does Daniel go to his house, open the window so that it's not private, and defy the king's order? Friends, here's why. Because deep down, Daniel knows that he cannot be excellent or be a man of integrity without God's gracious provision and help. He knew what Jesus would say centuries later in John 15, that apart from him, the one true God, we can't bear any fruit and we cannot be faithful to what God has called us to. So what we see in this picture is is this utterly faithful man to the end. So now, so far we've seen what faithfulness looks like, but where does faithfulness come from? As the story zooms in to to Daniel's home, we see where this faithfulness, this ability to remain devoted to the Lord, even when there's pressure on every side, where it comes from. And it comes from two things, habitual prayer and hope. Prayer and hope. Now, although we could actually devote an entire sermon to Daniel's prayer life, and it's so instructive for us, first, I want to zoom in on this daily rhythm of prayer that Daniel practiced and glean some practical truths for us from this text. First, what we see about Daniel's prayers in this story is that they weren't haphazard or sporadic. They were actually habitual. It tells us in verse 10, look again, that Daniel got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. And that phrase is a key phrase. It lets us know that Daniel is a man of discipline. He's not just praying in a crisis, in a pinch, but he's actually practiced prayer. And because his roots have gone deep into that soil, he's rooted in this habitual prayer rhythm 
of praying three times a day in the morning, afternoon, and in the evening. Now, friends, in a time where so many elements and our daily schedules continually are, are disrupted, what if we followed Daniel's example and devoted ourselves to prayer three times a day before every meal, in the morning, in the afternoon, in dinner? Not just by saying, Lord, please bless this food to the nourishment of my body, but actually devoted time to, to prayer, to remember who God is and, and to ask him for help, for guidance, for wisdom each and every day. In the liturgy guide uh, today, I've included some of uh, my favorite prayer resources that have helped me grow in these rhythms of, of prayer, some books to guide you and give you more structure so that you can frame your day in prayer. But you guys need to know, we're actually going to be devoting ourselves as a community to more prayer in this season, because we believe that that's how we can become a more faithful community, more faithful followers of Christ. So there'll be actually a day of fasting and prayer where for 24 hours, we're going to be inviting you all to join our elders, our pastor, pastors, our team, as we turn to the, to the Lord, following Daniel's humble example. And you can find out more about this as we post details. We're going to put that up on the River West website. So please check out the liturgy guide today, the resources there, and stay tuned to find out more about this day of fasting and prayer. Secondly, after seeing Daniel was faithful, this faithfulness in Daniel's life, it came from this habitual prayer. Secondly, we see that his prayers weren't simply rote or habitual. They overflowed with gratitude, with gratitude. Again, we read that three times a day, Daniel prayed and gave thanks before his God. Now remember, Daniel knows that defying King Darius' order is basically a one-way ticket to imminent death in the lion's den. And yet three times a day, here's Daniel praising and giving thanks to God. Now, I want to be clear that this text is not suggesting that, that we shouldn't acknowledge our pain and trials before God in prayer. We've talked about lament in the midst of this pandemic, and there's a reason that one in three Psalms are actually prayers of lament, where we worship the Lord by being honest and forthright about our pain, about our doubts and questions and trials. But I want you to see and take notice that what Daniel is doing here, he's not turning a blind eye to the pain and injustice in his situation. Instead, what he's doing is he's praising God and giving thanks by pressing into a hope that's fiercer than a den full of roaring lions. He's pressing into hope and that's why he can rejoice. Look again and, and pay attention to what the text tells us in verse 10. It says, when Daniel knew that this document had been signed, he went to his house where he had the windows 
in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. This is giving us a a clue actually into the hope that sustained Daniel and allowed him to remain faithful and devoted to God and rejoice in the midst of suffering. You see, Daniel's ability to remain faithful under fire was anchored to this eternal hope that Daniel carried. Each time that Daniel prayed and opened his windows to face Jerusalem, we must remember that the city and temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed, decimated, and looted by Babylon. However, each time that he turned his face towards the city that he loved and longed for and lived in as a child that laid in ruins, he would remember the promise that God made throughout the Old Testament scriptures, but particularly through the prophets, that God would bring his exiled people back into a new Jerusalem, a city that was raised up by God himself out of the ashes where God would dwell with his people once again. I want you to take a look at a vision from another exiled prophet, a contemporary contemporary of Daniel's, the prophet Isaiah, that, that actually received these visions and passed them on to the same people, to the same exiled people that were in Babylon living under these Persian kings. Look at Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 19. Look at this vision of this new Jerusalem. It says, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. Folks, deep down, I think one of the truths that this pandemic has taught me is that I believe you and I, no matter who you are, we're all deep down longing and we're homesick for the same city, this city, the new Jerusalem that the prophet Isaiah sees and that Daniel, as he turns his face towards Jerusalem, that he prays towards in hope, a city where there's no more weeping, there's no more pain, there's no more injustice, there's no more sickness and viruses or sin or death. There's no more walls to separate man from God and men from men and men from women. A city that will overflow with God's presence, love, and eternal joy so that everyone in the city is intoxicated with God's presence and gladness. This was the hope that sustained Daniel through difficult times and allowed him to be such a bold, faithful witness in his day. And friends, if you root your life like one of these trees in that hope, you'll be able to endure everything that you're going through right now 
and you'll honor the Lord in unprecedented ways. There's a story that moved my heart this week in 1966. Missionary, a 21-year-old college student by the name of Jackie Pollinger, felt that God called her to become a missionary in a region of Hong Kong called the Walled City. It was a small, densely populated, lawless area in Hong Kong that was home to this high-rise slum. I think I have a picture of it. Filled with drug addicts, gangs, and sex workers. But she was a woman of hope, a fierce hope and conviction. Years later, reflecting back on her experience, Jackie wrote, and I just want you to listen to these words. She said, I loved that dark place. I hated what was happening in it, but I wanted to be nowhere else. It was almost as if I could already see another city in its place. And that city was ablaze with light. It was my dream. There was no more crying. There was no more death or pain. The sick were healed. Addicts were set free. The hungry filled. There were families for orphans, homes for the homeless, a new dignity for those who lived in shame. I had no idea how to bring this about, but with visionary zeal, imagined introducing the walled city people to the one who could change it all, Jesus. Folks, in the end, this is where this story of faithfulness, it it leads us. It doesn't just lead us to, to Daniel, it leads us to Jesus. That's where every faithful witness in the scripture, it leads us back to the Messiah, Jesus, the only one that can set us free from our sin and usher in the reign of this new city. Folks, although Daniel knew that he would go down into the lion's den, what's striking in this text is the night before he goes into the lion's den, he's not sleepless. He's not in distress. Ironically, in the story, Darius is. Look, this is where we'll end our study today, but look at verse 14. It says, Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Daniel, And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Folks, the reason that Daniel could sleep that night is because he clung to the hope of the gospel that God would send his rescuer because he so loved the world that he wouldn't allow our world to lie in ruins, that he would rebuild it into a city where he would dwell with his people forever. Jesus Christ came and hung on a brutal Roman cross, was flung into the lion's den of sin and death so that you and I could have a place in that kingdom forever. Friends, I hope that today you'll root your life in that hope that as your roots learn to sink deep into that through prayer, that you will be an excellent witness for Christ because we need you to follow Jesus with everything you have. Let's pray. And then the worship team is going to lead us in the the great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for every heart tuning in. Lord, thank you for, Lord, being so faithful to us. Lord, we'd have no rescue. We'd have no hope in this world, Lord, to sink our roots into apart from Jesus, our our Savior. 
who was faithful to the end. Thank you, Lord, that you've defeated the powers of sin and death and pray, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit and teach us, Lord, like Daniel, Lord, to turn our hearts, to open the windows of our hearts, Lord, towards the hope of the gospel so that we can be a faithful witness of your son in this trying time. In Christ's name we pray, amen.